Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kirby Smart is emphatically that guy. Like Kirby Smart is him. If you didn't already know with the back-to-back national titles, he made another statement landing the top quarterback in the 2024 cycle, Dylan Raiola, out of Arizona. This wasn't just somebody he went and picked up from his backyard or went on down to Florida and made a nice little recruiting trip. No, got him from Arizona, from the West Coast down to Athens. Dylan Raiola is going to be a Georgia Bulldog. Welcome into the hard count. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. we got some college football to talk about. Man, I'm fired up. We're right around 100 days away from college football games being played. And you're listening to a college football podcast. You're watching a college football show live on YouTube. I'm so glad to have you here. Once again, this is The Hard Count. We talk ball every single day. Today is no exception. We're going to talk about some dark horses. You heard the clippity-clop in the in the background. It's the dark horses getting closer and closer. I got one for each of the Power 5 conferences And we made sure these were true dark horses. Like some people throw out dark horses and it's like, oh, great, you picked a dark horse. They actually had the third best odds to win the conference. No, no, we got real deal dark horses on this show. So we're going to break that one down for you. Vegas continues to throw out win totals. We continue to throw out teams that we believe can make all of us some money. We were in the SEC our last live show. We're migrating our way to the Big Ten Conference, this show, and we're going to make some some cash money. So tune in. we got a lot to talk about there. Got five best bets for us, and we'll eat greedy, and we'll buy our Christmas presents early this year. Uh, also, the ACC, not sure if you've kept track of what's going on over there, but the nickname The Magnificent Seven has been coined for seven ACC schools that it sounds like are going to try and make a break for it. <laughs> like let's just, let's just let's call a spade a spade. The ACC has seven teams that are saying, look, Either find us a way to get us more money, or we want out. Because we see those paychecks that the SEC and the Big Ten are taking home, and that's a cool $30 million more than what we're taking home. we got to figure this out here. So we'll talk about that and give you the latest what's going on right there. Get in the chat right now. Let us know your college football questions, your college football shots you're calling. If you're on podcast, well, we appreciate you, but you should have been live on YouTube so you can jump in here. We are live right now on the On3 YouTube channel. Subscribe if you haven't already. Like the video if you haven't already, because we're going to go no huddle, no mercy here. If you can't tell, if you can't tell already, we're, we're talking fast this morning because there's a lot to get into, and we're going to start with the biggest news that broke yesterday, and that is the number one quarterback in the 2024 class, Dylan Raiola has committed to the Georgia Bulldogs, was also considering USC, was considering Nebraska. Nebraska, he had the family ties there. Uh, Lincoln Riley is a quarterback whisperer. All he does is produce Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. He decided, no, I want to go to Georgia. And this to me is just like Kirby Smart, again, solidifying that he is him, first of all. Also, Kirby Smart is like that neighbor that lives across the street from you, and he just continues to one-up you. Like the tweets that I saw yesterday from folks in the media or folks that were fans that were just dripping with sarcasm, saying, oh, good for Georgia. Now they're finally going to start to win some games. Good for Georgia. Now maybe they'll have some players they can be successful with. Kirby Smart's that neighbor across the street who, you got a new car? 
oh, that's great. You got the 2021 model. He's got the 2022 model sitting in the garage. Also, the 2023 model is on the way. You just got some improvements to the backyard. That's awesome. He just got a new pool in the backyard. You got a four-star quarterback. He's got a four-star quarterback and a five-star quarterback committed in the 2024 class. That's who Kirby Smart is. That's what Georgia is right now. And what does this mean for the future? That's what we really got to talk about here. Because it's a big get for Georgia, obviously getting a a five-star player. There's no way around that. But what does this mean in terms of the ripple effect for Georgia? My first thought when looking at this is the fact that Georgia now, as an offense, will continue to be able to evolve. Because think about what Georgia has been historically. They scored 40 points a game last year. I started scrolling through the the statistical pages of what Georgia had been offensively, and I stopped at 1996 trying to find the last time they had scored 40 points. I was like, it's, it's been over 20 years since they have scored 40 points a game. That whole theme about, hey, you know, that the defense is going to carry us, we'll be a defensive-led team, that's not going to be the case anymore. Now, notice what I did not say. I did not say the defense at Georgia won't still be ridiculously good. This is not a commentary on the defense. What I'm saying is, remember in 2021, where it felt like it was the defense that won them the national title. And Stetson Bennett played a role, upped his game tremendously in 2022, and allowed them to be successful then. But the whole defensive-led team, the defense is going to have to pull the offense along. That's not going to be the case anymore. The defense pulling the offense along, that's over there in a moving box, packed up in the attic, and it's got a national title in that moving box. Don't get it twisted, but that's not going to be how they get down going forward. Because you look at this quarterback room for the future, you'll have a four-star kid in Gunnar Stockton. Uh, You'll have a four-star kid that's also committed to the 2024 class in Ryan Puglisi. And now you got a five-star kid in Dylan Raiola, also committed in the 2024 class. And Twitter is so bad for our health because we're, we're just we're toxic Dylan Raiola commits to, to Georgia and everybody and their mother that's not a Georgia fan starts saying oh well how long till someone else transfers out how long till Dylan Raiola transfers out how long till Ryan Puglisi transfers out first of all Ryan Puglisi is a program guy and when asked about Dylan Raiola transferring or excuse me committing and they asked him about transferring or asked about if his commitment's going to stick he just said nothing changes Obviously, they're not asking Ryan Puglisi about transferring, but asking if his commitment will, will stick. He said nothing changes. I love that. You got to compete anywhere you go, man. Ryan Puglisi, not scared to compete. But going back to the point here, Stockton, Puglisi, Raiola, all in that quarterback room. Even if somebody does end up transferring out down the line, you're set. Two four-stars and a five-star. You're set from where I'm sitting. So as an offensive coordinator... The mindset I think you have with any of these guys playing quarterback for you, it's different than what the old thought process used to be at Georgia. There used to be the thought process of, you know, what what can we call here? What can we call offensively? Now with any of these guys, you're calling, what do we want to call here? And that's not to say they haven't still recruited the quarterback position well in previous years. They have. Justin Fields, Jacob Eason. Jake Fromm, like they, they've recruited the quarterback position well. But even so, now I think they have the system in place along with the quarterback to where, what do we want to call? That's the, that's the conversation we're having now. And for the sake of this conversation with Dylan Raiola having committed yesterday, let's talk about what he brings to the table. I mean, you watch him on tape. I believe his highlights were playing just a second ago. Dude is Huck Finn. 
has a rocket for an arm. He's like the stretchy Spider-Man, the way he's throwing the, the awkward arm angles on the off-platform throws. He's rolling left, throwing right, and just launching missiles deep. That's the kind of player you have with Dylan Raiola. Very physically developed, about six foot three, 230. The people that are close to that recruitment talk about how they love that he kind of carries himself like a pro. He just kind of goes about his business. Great football IQ, can check you in and out of plays. There's a lot of great articles on on3.com right now. Matt Zenitz has got a phenomenal article about what's being said about Dylan Raiola. Director of Scouting and Rankings, Charles Power, he's got an article about what, what Dylan Raiola brings to the table from a scouting perspective. Like, go check all that out, because I promise you it's worth the read. Really quickly, make sure you're locked in right here. Subscribe to the On3 YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram, at Jody Piquel. Appreciate you for that. Okay, so where is Georgia at right now? I just told you, Dylan Raiola, if he ends up being your starter, the offense just has options upon options upon options in terms of what you can call with him at quarterback. Playbook is wide open, whatever you want to call. You got it with Dylan Raiola playing quarterback for you. So we take a step back now, going back to what this means for Georgia, and I think this is further proof that now Georgia's at a point where the brand just recruits itself. And what I mean by that is, People commit to Bama because of Saban and because of that script A. Now people are committing to Georgia in the same way because of that G and because of Kirby Smart. They're committing to the process because I promise you the coordinators are going to change. We've already seen it. Dan Lanning to Oregon, Todd Munkin to the league. We've already seen a little bit of churn at the coordinator spot. But Kirby Smart is who and what they are committing to. That is factual. Georgia is at a point where the brand now recruits these kids. It's like BMW, man. You see a lot of BMW commercials? Me neither. There is a reason why people are still buying BMW cars like they're going out of style. Because of the brand. You know what you're getting when you look at that BMW. Same thing with Georgia. You go to Georgia, you know what you're getting. National titles, development, playing for one of the best, if not the best coach in the last two years for college football, just the modern era. Not taking anything away from Saban. I'm just saying, Kirby Smart right now, I said it before, he's that guy. He is that guy. So what does this mean now going forward for Georgia? The brand recruits itself, Georgia's rolling, Dylan Raiola, five-star kid, number, number one quarterback in the 2024 class. Like there's a, there's a lot to unpack here. This is not some sort of grand finale, though, for Georgia. Remember last year, right around this time, I guess it was maybe closer to June, Arch Manning, Commits to Texas. And then what did we see? Just an avalanche of other top players saying, I want to go play with Arch. I, I, I want to go play with Arch Manning. Same thing now with Dylan Riola. Same thing. There's a lot of big-time players that are going to want to go play with him. Jeremiah Smith, Ohio State commit. He's already said, yeah, I got to take a look at Georgia now, man. I got to go take a look at the dogs because I, I like what Dylan Riola brings to the table. Having a solid quarterback, a more than solid quarterback, a five-star quarterback that can throw me the rock? Yeah, maybe I want to go play with that dude. Maybe I want to at least take a second look at Georgia. So keep an eye out for that. Georgia's not done. They got the number one class right now, according to the On3 industry rankings for the 2024 cycle. We got a long way to go till we get to that early signing period in December. But the way that I'm looking at this thing, I don't see Georgia letting go of that top spot anytime soon. I think they got it very, very firmly, like ball security. They got it high and tight right now. I don't think Georgia's letting go of that anytime soon. So Dylan Raiola, he is a dog on the field. He's going to be a dog in college. He's going to be playing for the Georgia Bulldogs when he gets to college. So 
Enormous get for Georgia. Further proof the brand recruits itself. Kirby Smart yet again proving he's that guy. This is a big get for Georgia. Number one quarterback is off the board in the 2024 class. Man, that news broke yesterday, and it felt like a fire drill. Like, everybody up here was, was ready for it. Like, there was a lot of smoke around Dylan Raiola maybe picking Georgia. That was kind of with the way that the RPM was reading. But still, when he ended up picking Georgia, it just felt like, whoa, okay. That puzzle piece is set now. That puzzle piece is very much so firmly in place. Kind of crazy to see. So Georgia's going to be the favorite to win the national title this coming season. It's not my opinion. That's what Vegas is saying. If you ask me my opinion, I would say, yeah, Georgia's probably the favorite as well. So I guess both my opinion and what Vegas is saying, Georgia is the pick for the national championship. But I got a tweet from one of y'all that said, hey, Jody, what are your dark horses? What are the teams that you're picking to make some noise within the college football landscape? So the way that I wanted to view this was teams within respective Power Five conferences that have a chance in my mind to potentially win the conference. This is not a prediction segment. I want to get out in front of that as much as possible. We're not picking these teams to win their conference. I'm not not picking these teams. I'm just saying that's a time for a later show. All right? Can we all just enjoy the fact that it's May? So without further ado, I got one team from each Power Five conference that I think is a dark horse to make some noise and potentially have a chance to win that conference. So let's start with the SEC. And I was sitting down to do this, and Tennessee came to my mind. And I looked at Tennessee, and I was like, yeah, but are they really a dark horse? Like, the last thing I wanted to do was be lame for y'all right now. I didn't want to just pick a dark horse and have it be the team that has, like, the third best odds. Because we see people do that in our industry, and it's like, oh, great, you picked a dark horse. Not really a dark horse. It's not, it's not what the conversation, not what the exercise is for. And so I took a look at what the SEC title odds were. And I was shocked. I mean, I, I had to take a second. Tennessee has the fifth best odds to win the SEC. They're at plus 1,700. Now, I understand that Georgia's back-to-back national champs, but to have them behind Bama, to have them behind LSU, I understand if they're behind them, but to have them be fifth best, that was surprising to me. And so then I sort of rolled the shoulders a little bit and sat down to get after this segment because Tennessee being fifth best in the SEC in terms of odds to win the conference, I think that is, I think that is, if you're a, if you're a gambling individual, those are great odds for you. Because Joe Milton, I think outside of the Tennessee bubble, is just getting straight up disrespected. Did y'all not see what he did in that game against Clemson? Did y'all not see what he did in the Orange Bowl? I don't feel like that's just a one-off. I think that's a preview to the movie we're going to get in 2023. I know Jalen Hyatt's gone. I know Hendon Hooker's gone. Guess who's not gone? Josh Heupel, the architect behind that offense that absolutely ran roughshod over college football last year. Joe Milton can deal the rock now. Also, they got some playmakers. Squirrel White, going to be a dude for him. Brew McCoy, going to be a dude for him. I don't think Tennessee's going anywhere. The way they could really challenge for an SEC title if that defense, you've heard me say this before, if that defense just gets a little bit better. You don't got to be locked down. You don't got to be the 85 Bears. But if you can just get a little bit better, Tennessee could make some noise in the SEC. But at fifth best odds, a dark horse, by definition, will take it. We'll take Tennessee to be our dark horse in the SEC and we'll laugh and smile about it all the way through. Okay, make sure you're subscribed right here. 
Make sure you're locked on the Yonthra YouTube channel. Shout out to everybody watching live. We love y'all. If you're not watching live, we are live on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. So come join the party. Also follow me on Twitter. Follow me on the gram at J.D. All right, that's the SEC. Let's move on to the Big Ten Conference now. We love us some Big Ten. A lot of people are going to say their dark horse is Penn State. Ooh, real bold pick. Penn State, that's nice. I like that. It's not a dark horse, so get out of here with that. If you hear someone say Penn State's a dark horse in the Big Ten Conference, just sort of bite your tongue and walk away because I don't think that's a dark horse. A dark horse that I have for you, though, is Wisconsin. They're at plus 650, fourth best odds, first-year head coach. When it comes to betting on college football, when it comes to betting on dark horses, I think you bet on people. Right? I think you bet on the individual and the person behind the operation. And I'll say this. I've said it many times now. I've made it very well known. I would follow Luke Fickle into a dark alley. That's just the way that it works. I think he knows how to put together winning football teams. His resume proves that. Let's say this, too. There's so much smoke around the new offense and Phil Longo and the air raid and Tanner Mordecai, all the receivers from the transfer portal. That's a real thing. That is a very real thing. That's who I think they'll try to be. But even if that falls apart, let's just say the air raid, for whatever reason, flames out, catches on fire, no bueno. Still got Braylon Allen, <laughs> right? Like, what's, that, what's that, that movie, that Marvel movie, Nick, where they say, well, we have a Hulk. Like, they have Braylon Allen, and Braylon Allen is their version of the Hulk. At the very worst case scenario for Wisconsin, turn around, hand the ball to zero. Not a bad offensive game plan. You have two quarterbacks in Everett and Mordecai that can be serviceable for you. So if you got to go back to the old way you did it at Wisconsin, I think that works just fine. I'll say this too. They don't play Penn State. They don't play Michigan. Big Ten West is very wide open. If I'm Luke Fickle and company, I'm telling those guys, hey, let's just get in the door in Indy. Just get us in that building. Get us in Lucas Oil Stadium. We'll handle that when it gets here. But I'm telling you, man, I would follow Wisconsin as a dark horse. I think Luke Fickle is that dude. It's no secret, man. I got a program crush on Wisconsin. Sue me. All right? Well, no, don't, don't sue me. I'm not prepared to handle that legally, but that's who we like in the Big Ten. Move on to the ACC here. And now we're going to another, another dark horse, as that's what the segment is. Uh, NC State is our dark horse in the ACC. They are at plus 1,500 to win the conference. They have the fifth best odds. I looked at this and I was like, fifth best odds? Plus 1,500? Man, put, put some respect on Dave Doran's name. Have we not seen what this man has built at NC State over the last couple of years? Have we not seen just year in and year out he puts together competitive teams? I understand they lose a lot on defense. That's why they're a dark horse. That's why we're getting the odds that we're getting at NC State. But Dave Doran now, he puts together solid defenses year in and year out. It feels like to me, also, are we going to act like Brendan Armstrong wasn't just him in 2021 when he was at Virginia with Robert and I, and Robert and I is now at the OC at NC State. Brendan Armstrong is now going to be the quarterback at NC State. Those two are back together now. Last time they were together, Brendan Armstrong threw for 31 touchdowns and over 4,400 yards. Why are we sleeping on NC State so hard? I get there's Clemson. I get there's Florida State. Heck, I get that Drake Mays at UNC. I'm all about it, but we're picking a dark horse here. Let's take a closer look at NC State. Take a look at the pack. They get Louisville, Clemson, North Carolina, all at the crib. I like it. I like it a lot. 
Feels like the formula for a dark horse team in the ACC. So we'll roll, we'll roll with them as our dark horse in that conference. Top on a jet, probably have to con- take a, a connecting flight, Nick, as we get to the West Coast. And in the Pac-12, I like Oregon State. I like Oregon State a whole heck of a lot. They're at plus 900 odds, fifth best to win the Pac-12. And they're a team that just knows who they are. They got an identity about themselves. Breaking in a new quarterback, a lot of talent. I think he's got something to prove in DJ Uwe Ungalale, and I like the schedule. Anytime you pick a dark horse, you got to take a look at the schedule. They got Utah, UCLA, Washington, all at home. It's where you insert the eyes emoji right here. If you're looking around and saying, all right, y'all seeing what I'm seeing? Fifth best odds, a team that won 10 games a season to go. All right. Jonathan Smith has those boys playing. So I like Oregon State to be a dark horse within that conference. All right, now for the Big 12, like Texas Tech, they're at plus 1,200 odds, fourth best in the Big 12. And here's what it comes down to for me now. Tyler Shuck has been dinged up a little bit throughout his career, was a four-star kid coming out of high school. He can spin the rock now. He can spin that pill. I said it before about other quarterbacks. He can deal the pill like a shady pharmacist. That's who he is. I like Tyler Shuck. Now, I love Zach Kitley. Zach Kitley coming over from Western Kentucky. Shout out Nick Brake. He's an alum of, of the Hilltoppers. Zach Kitley was just a, a Hogwarts grad when it came to what he did with that offense at Western Kentucky. They scored over 30 points a game last year at Texas Tech with him running the show. They bring back 75% of that production. Taj Brooks, grown man carrying the football for them. Now expect him to see a load of the carries. I'm excited for them. They score over 30 points again on offense. And if that defense picks that up a little bit, that defense can sort of hold their water a little bit better. Look out in the Big 12 now because those dudes will play for Joey McGuire. They will run through a brick wall for that man. Same thing I said about Wisconsin. You're betting on people. I'm following Joey McGuire into battle with a blindfold on, just aimlessly, just just feeling my way through the battlefield behind Joey McGuire. That's how confident I feel about Texas Tech. That's how much confidence this team has in their head coach. The Big 12 now, wide open. Wide open. We think we know what we know about Texas, think we know what we know about Oklahoma. I'm just saying, keep an eye on Texas Tech. And if you don't believe me, look at what TCU did last year as a dark horse. They missed a bowl game and played for a, a Big 12 title. Didn't even win the thing, though. Kansas State won it. So those are my dark horse teams in the SEC, like the Vols. Can't believe they're a dark horse, but like the Vols. Fifth best odds in that conference. In the Big Ten, we like Wisconsin. Surprise, surprise. In the ACC, we like NC State as a dark horse. In the Pac-12, we like Oregon State. The Beavs and Jonathan Smith, they're up to something. In the Big 12, we like Joy McGuire and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. So those are our dark horse teams. And we appreciate y'all locking in with us now. The Big 12, too, is going to be fascinating. I hope there's a way we get out to a Big 12 game. Not just a Big 12 like game somewhere else, because Texas and Bama, I think, has our attention for week two. Keep an eye on that. A little something to chew on. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if we get out to Lubbock somehow, I don't, know, I don't know how that would happen. I don't know what would have to be in play, but I'm just saying that out here. Blanket statement. I would love to go see Texas Tech play in person. So I'll leave that there. Shout out everybody watching live right now. Go ahead and throw us a a like on the video. We're glad to have you tuned in. I said this before in other one-off videos. It's May. It's May. And we're talking about college football. 
and you're here at, I guess it is 1030, give or take, a.m. Central on a Tuesday morning, and you're listening to a college football show, you're watching a college football show, we're, we're cut from the same cloth here. Go ahead and subscribe, lock it in. We're happy to have you a part of this community. Happy to have you a part of this, this program, if you will. So we'll keep on moving along here. Also, make sure you're in the chat right now. Nick Bray holding it down. What are your college football questions? What are your college football shots you're calling? Get them in right now. Going to get them at the end of the show, and that'll be a good time. So we'll rock and roll here. All right. Last show. Talked about SEC win totals. That we like. If you haven't yet, check that out. Go check it out on the channel. Not right now, though, because we're live. Let's go to the Big Ten. Let's go to the Big Ten. There are skyscrapers in Las Vegas for a reason. It's because they take a lot of people's money. Those selfish Greedy sons of guns taking a lot of money. So the mission here on this platform is to take back what's ours. You can't just say you're the people's show and then cause the people to lose money. We're not going to do that to you. We didn't do that last season with Against the Suits. We made money if you tailed us on every pick. We're not changing our ways right now. So I got five best bets within the Big Ten when it comes to win totals that we like. So let's rock and roll. Michigan is set at over under 10 and a half wins. It's a big number. It's a big number, but then you take a closer look, and it's really going to be a two-game season for Michigan. Is that fair to say they're going to be better than every single team they play? The two games you're watching closely is at Penn State and Ohio State that you get at home, last game of the year. If you're going to put that number at 11 and a half, it might scare me off. If you're going to put that number in and say they got to go undefeated, maybe. You're telling me they can lose one of those games? Lose one game? Maybe. Maybe you could talk me into Michigan dropping one game. Losing two games? You must not know what time it is in Ann Arbor. I mean, Vegas has dropped the ball here severely. You see J.J. McCarthy after that college football playoff game? See that look in his eye? You see Blake Corum running it back, Donovan Edwards, the pieces they have on defense, the weapons that are coming back for Michigan? You must not know what time it is in Ann Arbor. The khakis didn't come back to Ann Arbor to lose two games. He didn't turn down NFL conversations to come back to Ann Arbor and lose two games. So we're locking it in. Michigan, over 10 and a half wins on the season. Did they lose one? I don't know, but they're not losing two. Go ahead and lock in the over for Michigan. Penn State. Next up, I put this on my Instagram page, at J.D. Piquel, and said people of the program where the locks at. A lot of y'all were very high on Penn State, the over. Now, they can drop two, if my math is correct. Sneaky game early against West Virginia. They open with West Virginia at home, Power 5 team. A lot of teams start with an FCS or group of five. They said, no, no, no. Bring in the Big 12. Bring in West Virginia. We'll play them. Sounds good. They have to go to Maryland late in November. Really, is anybody besides Ohio State or Michigan a better roster than Penn State? Is anybody showing up and saying, look, our guys versus your guys, we like it? The way that I'm handling this, the way that I'm processing this, is if Penn State does what they're supposed to do, Nick Singleton, Drew Aller, Katron Allen, if those guys take care of business, even if they drop both to Michigan and Ohio State, even if that happens, you still hit the over. So go ahead and lock it in. You know what we say around here, safe games, safe prizes. I'm buying stock in James Franklin. I'm buying stock in Drew Aller. We're taking Penn State over nine and a half wins, 
and feeling pretty good about doing it. Even if they, I mean, I honestly think they could split Ohio State-Michigan, to be real with you. You're telling me I get one more loss somewhere on the schedule? Oof. Just feels like theft. It feels like theft, and we're live on YouTube. So there it is. Moving right along. Iowa Hawkeyes, another one that y'all had a lot of thoughts and opinions on when I posted this for discussion on my Instagram page, at J.D. Paquel. Iowa is, again, over under seven and a half wins. And here's where I fall in Iowa, man. I just need to see it. I just need to see it. There's been so much talk about Caden McNamara, Eric All, all the pieces they got through the portal and their defense and how good they were last year. Listen, man, they scored 18 points a game last year. 18 points a game. It's popular to hate on Iowa's offense. There's a reason why it's popular. And you don't just fix that overnight. I love Cade McNamara. I do. He's got a Big Ten title ring, something nobody can ever take from him. Is he really the answer for you at quarterback? Is he the savior of this 18 points a game offense with the same offensive coordinator there? Listen, I need to see it. Seeing is believing, and I'm not believing what I'm seeing with Iowa just yet. So go ahead and lock in the under for Iowa at seven and a half wins. I'm sorry. I, I feel I'm, I'm sorry to the good people that watch us in Iowa, but that's how I feel about the Hawkeyes. Got to do it. Unfortunate, but it's got to happen. Let's move right on to Michigan State. They're set at over under five and a half wins. So what Vegas is saying, listen, do you like them to make a bowl game? Yes or no? You like them to make a bowl game? Well, they didn't make a bowl game last year. Went five and seven in 2022. Let's not overthink this. Let's kind of just keep the simple things simple. Missed a bowl game last year. Lose your starting quarterback. Lose your best player on the team in Keon Coleman. Lose 19 other players through the portal. Let's not overthink this. Let's not overthink this. Michael Scott said it best. Don't be an idiot. Best advice he ever gave Dwight, to Dwight Schrute. Makes me think every single time. Also hurts my feelings every single time. We're taking the under for Michigan at five and a half wins. I'm sorry. Someone has to go under here. And I think it's Michigan State. So roll party roll. Now Maryland is the last best bet for us. Over under for them is set at seven and a half. Let's take a look at the schedule here. They need to go five and zero to start. Towson, Charlotte, Virginia at Michigan State, Indiana at home. Okay, so I need those five from you. I need those five, Maryland. I think you can win all five of those. Now I need three of these, three of these last five rather. Northwestern, Nebraska, Rutgers. You can lose to Ohio State. Heck, you can lose to Illinois. You can lose to Penn State. You can lose to Michigan. But I need those road games. I need Northwestern, Nebraska, and Rutgers just to recap a little bit for you. Is Talia Tagovailoa, is he that dude? To put it simply, is he him? My money says yes. My money says yes. I like Maryland over seven and a half wins. Go ahead and lock him in for a smooth, a smooth, nice little eight and four. And we'll just laugh all the way to the bank. So to recap it for you, Michigan, they're not losing two games now. The Khakis will not stand for two losses. J.J. McCarthy will not stand for two losses. Over 10 and a half wins on Michigan. Go ahead and lock that one up for us. Now, Penn State, they're at nine and a half. Some sneaky games, some very sneaky games. But still, you can lose to Ohio State and Michigan and still cover that number. Drew Aller, baby, let's ride. Over nine and a half. Iowa, over under seven and a half wins. I don't trust it. I don't trust it. I'm sorry. 
I need to see it to believe it. Brian Ferentz still calling the offense. They scored 18 points a game last year. You brought in Cade McNamara. I don't know that that's the answer to the problem here, Iowa. I'm sorry. I'm taking under 7.5. Michigan State, let's keep it simple. You lost your quarterback, your best player, 19 other players. Under 5.5 wins. I think they miss a bowl game yet again. Maryland, taking the over. Betting on Talia Tagovailoa, betting on Coach Loxley and the boys that got that dog in them down there at Maryland. We're taking the over. So we're going to go ahead and make some money on the Big Ten win totals. Vegas, you've been warned. The gauntlet has been thrown down. We're taking back what's ours. So thank you in advance for that. Man, shout out to everybody tuned in live. Got a lot to unpack here. A lot still to unpack throughout the rest of the week. We go for about an hour here on these live shows, and there's just no possible way to fit in everything that we want to talk about relating to this beautiful world of college football. One thing, though, I did want to talk about, and one thing that we have talked about on our last show, I want to have a little bit more stories. I want to have a little bit more interaction. So get at me on Twitter. Get at me in the chat. Let me know your best college football story. Uh, I got another one, and it has to do with Joel Clapp. And no, I did not almost hit him with my car like I did Matt Leinert. That's on the last live show. Go check that out because we don't clip those. Uh, So here's the deal. When I was a senior in college, I'm home for Christmas break. And I'm back in California. And the previous summer, I had interned with Undisputed on Fox Sports 1. Amazing experience. So cool. Got up really early. Cut a lot of film. It was great. Jenny Taft is the host of Undisputed with Skip and Shannon. And Jenny Taft also, if you remember correctly, works sideline for Fox Sports 1. And who is she a part of the crew with? None other than Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. And so I reached out to my boss from Fox Sports 1 at the time, I guess my my boss for that internship, and said, hey, would love to shadow for any college football opportunity. Because I'm like, hey, I got the itch, man. I I, I got the bug. I want to be around college football for a job. I study hotel administration. I got to find a way to get around this game, get around this industry, so I can kind of parlay that into a job one day. So anyway, reaches back out, says Jenny Taft would be happy to allow me to shadow her during that bowl game and it was the holiday bowl at that point so it's utah northwestern and i'm fired up dude like i'm i'm there early i'm walking around the field with jenny taft figuring out what the game's gonna look like and what our strategy is gonna be that day like i'm just soaking all of it in and walking up to us comes joel clatt and y'all if you don't know joel clatt is that guy in our industry probably the best color commentator in the entire game along with kirk herbstreet okay so joel clatt's walking up and I'm like, all right, this is the moment, man. I'm about to, about to talk some ball with Joel Klatt. I'm a senior in college. I'm excitable. It's, you know, the, the, the buzz of the atmosphere for the Holiday Bowl is palpable. And say hello to Joel Klatt. And I say, man, great to meet you. And, and I try to kind of flex that I know him a little bit, kind of flex a little bit that I know about his background. I say, man, I, you know, you played at Washington, right? And Joel Klatt just looks at me and goes, no, played at Colorado. That was Brock Heward. Wish I was Brock Heward, though. Just like very casually, very nicely, just kind of riffs off of it. Y'all, I just, I felt so small in that moment. In that moment, I was just like, you, J.D., you idiot. That's like meeting Steve Jobs and saying you love his work on Microsoft. Like, that's the equivalent of what that felt like in my moment. So, anyways, that's my Joel Klatt story. He was very kind about it. It stuck with me for the rest of the next couple of months. And uh, the Holiday Bowl was a great experience. Northwestern ended up winning that one. Pat Fitzgerald and the boys got it done in San Diego. But, yeah, that's, that was uh, another one of my college football stories. We'll, we'll keep this thing going here because y'all have a lot of 
great uh, great stories yourselves. I want to hear from you all. So get at me on the socials, at Jody Pacquel, on Twitter, on Instagram, and uh, get at me in the chat too. So anyway, with that being said, we'll move right along here. Let's talk about the ACC. What's going on in the ACC right now? The Magnificent Seven, which contains Florida State, Clemson, NC State, Miami, North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech. I counted there for those of y'all that are watching live just so we can keep a tally. That Magnificent Seven being led by Florida State and Clemson currently are meeting with lawyers and taking a look at the grant of rights deal within the ACC. And those conversations from where I'm sitting, from how I'm reading this, sounds like, hey, how can we get out of this? How ironclad is this grant of rights deal? And it's funny for me to picture this like all these teams as individuals going down the hall and meeting with these lawyers. They walk into the building, Florida State, Clemson, have a seat, UNC, Virginia, Virginia Tech, you guys can stand for, for obvious reasons. Uh, let's take a look at how this grant of rights deal is, is going to work out. Is there a way out of this? Just joking about the whole team standing, you know, I'm just, just poking fun. So here's where this stands right now. The grant of rights runs through 2036. And even if you were to leave the ACC, which would cost a pretty penny for all these schools, how much? Who knows? But it's at least 120 for the exit fee, 120 million to exit the ACC. Even if you get out of the ACC, the ACC still owns your broadcast rights. Now, why is that a problem for these teams within the ACC? Teams in the SEC, teams in the Big Ten, are making a smooth $30 million per year more than these teams in the ACC. And so if you're any of these brands, any of these schools, you expect to compete on a national level, on a national landscape. How are you supposed to compete with some of these teams when they have better resources consistently? And I'm not saying just one-off year, you make a run at it. TCU did that last year. They weren't the most well-resourced team. But I do think that you have to at least take a look and say, for sustained success, it's not wild to, to assume that you need better resources, you need on-par resources to compete with the teams you want to compete with. Florida State, perfect example. This coming season, they expect to compete for a national title. Good for Florida State. Same for Clemson. Expect to compete for a national title. Good for Clemson. That's fine in a one-off situation, but as time grows on, if you continue to go $30 million in the negative compared to your other teams in the SEC and Big Ten, that's going to add up over time now. It's going to add up. And so they're saying, listen, we got to find a way to make some more money. And it sounds like that hasn't gone well based on them having conversations with lawyers about trying to get out of the ACC. So this is where we find ourselves. All right, I got some more thoughts on this. Make sure you're subscribed right here to the Onthrough YouTube channel. Make sure you're following me on Twitter. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at JD Pacquel. We talk ball every single day. We're talking about college football in May. You love the sport. We love the sport. Subscribe. Come join the party, all right? So ultimately, this was inevitable. This was going to happen. Whether it happened this week, whether it happened five years from now, it can only take so much time before these teams that expect to compete how they want to compete start saying, hey, uh, excuse me, we're worth a lot of money. We're, we're worth a lot of eyeballs, and we aren't getting, I think, what we're, we're deserving of. The revenue split, even so. Florida State, I mean, heck, Michael Offord went to bat for his team and said, listen, we bring in a lot of money to the ACC. We don't take home nearly as much as we're bringing in. What gives? And so these teams now are saying, well, we got to figure this out. 
Something's got to give here. So this was inevitable. You can't tell me I'm worth this much and then see a smaller portion of the pie. And then, oh, by the way, the teams that you're competing with, they're getting a larger piece of a larger pie. And I'm supposed to just stay put. Not how this works. Not how this works by any stretch of the imagination. So where we're at right now in this conversation, this is the part where everyone likes to talk about how hard it's going to be to execute. I mean, you read the article on The Athletic about this. It's, it's league officials, people close to situations saying it's one thing to say, it's a whole other thing to do. I don't think any of that is untrue, but I do think that the people that are involved in these conversations have a whole lot of power and a whole lot of money, and there's usually a way to get this thing done. Now, I'm not saying it's an easy path. I'm not saying it's just going to get done overnight. But remember how this all went with Oklahoma and with Texas leading to the SEC? There was a Friday where the news broke. Hey, listen, it's not going to happen. Sorry, just too expensive. Couldn't get it done. Couldn't see eye to eye. Sorry, not going to happen a year early. We all sort of said, okay, all right. Then a week later, hey, it's happening. Deal went through. We found a way to get it done. The price tag was met. The, The deal was agreed to. Texas and Oklahoma leaving to the SEC early. Remember how quickly that happened? I mean, there are so, like I said, so many people with power and money and motivation to get this done. But at the same time, the room isn't that big. This is not a thing where we need like 5,000 people to all be on the same page. I think it's a small number of people need to come to an agreement and need to figure out a way through this grant of rights. What I'm trying to say is I think it's going to happen. Now, when, I don't know. I don't know the timeline. But we're at the part where everybody says how insurmountable this obstacle is, and I think some of that kind of could be a little bit of a distraction while we go handle this over here and you sort of chew on the fact that it's so difficult to sort our way through the grant of rights. I think this is going to happen. You know why? Because you have numbers here. You have strength in numbers. It's not just Clemson going to bat. It's not just Florida State going to bat. Sounds like they're leading the charge, but right now you have half the conference in the ACC saying, how do we get out of this? Hey, you're smart. You're a lawyer. You're, you went to law school. You passed the bar. How do we get out of this? You know more than us. So let's talk about this. That's the conversation being had right now, and it's not just one school. To have half the ACC trying to make a move here, I think that means something. I think that will bode well for it getting done. You have too many people with too much power wanting change for this to just stay stagnant and to say, yep, sorry, grant of rights, ironclad. For those of y'all listening on podcast banging on the table a little bit ironclad can't get through sorry you're gonna have to wait 10 years if wait 13 years whatever it ends up being i don't think that'll happen so i think that the magnificent seven florida state clemson nc state miami north carolina virginia virginia tech all have a legitimate case i think they will find a way out of this the timeline i don't know but this was going to happen at some point was going to happen at some point when it happens I don't know, but the Magnificent Seven are going to find a way out, in my opinion. So we'll keep a close eye on that without question. Man, shout out to all the good people on podcast. We got it. We got to pay homage every single time. Got to pay homage every single time. Y'all are the, the backbone of this operation. So we appreciate you tuning in on podcast, whether you're on Spotify or on Apple. Thank you for that. All right. We love y'all. If you're tuned in live. You know we love you too. So thank you for that. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you subscribe. All that good stuff. Now we're going to keep rolling here. We're going to jump into my favorite part of this whole show where you join the party. 
Can't say we're the people show if we don't involve the people in the show. So back in the studio, the man, the myth, the legend, to read off your questions, to talk about your concerns or your thoughts around college football, bringing in Nick, heavy lifter, break. Nick, what's up, my guy? What's up, man? Feels good to be back. Uh, you look nice. good. You look Thank good you. to be back. I get a haircut today. I, it's a little long. Um, got some good questions today. Uh, first and foremost, I'm going to end this now, but we, we set a poll at the beginning of the show. Do the Georgia Bulldogs three-peat? It's a little frightening. Wow. 115 votes, 73% say yes. And I'll tell you this, to preface, this is not a very Georgia-heavy chat today, so uh, it's a little worrisome that parody in college football is, uh, at least at the top, starting to diminish because of these of, of Kirby Smart. The big dogs are barking in the chat, Nick. They sure are. They sure are. <laughs> How about that? that was, How about that? I like that. Uh, first thing, uh, <laughs> Sky High Hicks, which I love that name, goes by JD. That's their nickname. So uh, got the, the similarity there, although it is spelled out, JD. That's cool. Uh, asked, what do you think about Jeremiah Smith, and what do you think um, he will do? What will he do? Phenomenal question. Make sure you are subscribed because the Inside Scoop with Josh Newberg is yeah. your number one source for all things recruiting. So quick plug there. For Jeremiah Smith, listen, I I don't have any inside information. I just say this. Taking an official visit to Florida, taking a look at the dogs, I don't know. It, it's still very early in this recruitment, Nick. I, I don't know how this whole thing is going to shake out. But I'm just saying, if you're looking at other places this early in the process – I wouldn't feel amazing if I'm an Ohio State fan. So I don't know that it's like a lock he goes somewhere else, but I, I would feel like if I were to take Ohio State or the field today, I would take the field, Nick. That's how I feel about it. I don't know anything. That's how I feel about it. But, uh, I mean, if you want to be a receiver, you want to go to Ohio State, it's not a bad way to live either. So I'll take the field today, Nick, for Jeremiah Smith. That's okay. my opinion. Uh, so back in the chat, Eric D. Um, says, well, yeah, so he says, okay, so you think – Bama's a dark horse by definition and doesn't think so because uh, it says don't count Sam Bama and Nick Saban out. But then Ander Martin says Saban should never be considered a dark horse. So, J.D., my question, I know they've got pretty decent odds this year, but it feels like the people here in college football don't believe in Bama. But do you, they're not a dark horse, are they? No, by, was, by was, your was definition. that accusatory? No, we, we do not believe Bama's a dark horse. I think you could make a case that Bama has – a lot to prove, a lot that's unknown about their roster. I mean, we said a whole a whole makeover now. They've got like 125th returning production ranking. They got a new OC. They got a new DC. They got a new quarterback. Like, there's a lot we don't know about Bama. But even so, Vegas is dangling Alabama with the third best odds right in front of our faces. Not to win the SEC, to win a national championship. So is Bama <laughs> is Bama a dark horse? Yeah. I don't think so. Not by Vegas' definition, not by our definition. I mean, just think about it this way, Nick. Our, our surprise meter, 1 through 10, 10 being most surprised, 1 being not shocked at all. If Bama were to win a national title, what would we be? Like a 6? I'd be pretty shocked. Really? You'd be I pretty be. shocked. Okay, year, so maybe yes. you're higher on the, on the surprise meter than yeah, myself. Maybe. It would be a very impressive feat by Bama, but I don't think I'm wildly surprised if they end up pulling it off is what I'm trying to say there. Mm -hmm. So... We're in agreement, though. Not, not a dark horse. Not a dark not horse. A dark no, horse. if anything, they're, they're one of those teams. You look at the, the betting line, you're like, what? Third? Yeah. They shouldn't be third. I don't think they should be. It's one, of those, it's one of those things where I think Vegas is just dangling it in front of our faces and saying, like like the old, uh, is it State Farm? 
or Geico commercial. Got to be quicker than that. Yeah. Got to be quicker. And he's, and he's dangling the Geico. dollar in front of his face. I think that's Geico. I think that's what we're living right now. I think so. It's also, you won't get this comparison. I don't know if anyone in the chat even will. Uh, but Brazil, every World Cup, they're like the best betting odds. They haven't won the World Cup since 2002. They're not going to win it anytime soon. Uh, but, you know. That, the, like, probably went right over everyone's head, No, though, they're so. probably making money on people like me because I just see the logo in the jersey. Uh-huh. If I'm betting on soccer, and I'm like, Brazil, lock it in. <laughs> number 10, whoever's that, in the, in the yeah. number 10 jersey, he's probably a bucket. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's, that's where fair I'm point. at in my life. Love this question here from Jake Westbury. Why are people so low on South Carolina? I know you're not, J.D., but why are other people? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's fair. I think there's two pieces of it. One is just the pond they're swimming in. Like, South Carolina, if you put them in the Pac-12, no knock on the Pac-12, but you probably feel a lot better about their odds to win the conference. You're looking at the SEC, and you're like, hey, South Carolina, we love you, but you still got to go through a team like Alabama, a team like LSU, a team like Georgia, a team like Tennessee, like all these schools that they would have to, in theory, find a way to outperform to win the conference. So I think just being in the SEC itself presents some question marks around South Carolina's path there. And then I'll say this, as much as I love South Carolina, there's there's no way around it. I have another program crush on South Carolina. Um, listen, here's the deal. They allowed 200 yards a game last year, rushing. It's not a sustainable formula. Love the culture. When Spencer Rattler is on, he's on, like he was at the end of the year. But there's there's still some question marks around South Carolina. So I think it's fair to be cautious but, I mean, I'm buying stock in Shane Beamer like it's going out of style. So happy to resell that to anybody who wants to come and try and pay a premium for it. I'll listen. Yeah. But I, I think South Carolina is being slept on. We love them over six and a half. Mm-hmm. So that, that's where I stand, Nick. I think the, the path and what they did last year defensively are, are cause for concern. Is that their win total, six and a half? I was six at- and a half, man. Six and a half. <laughs> I'm hammering the over. Man, on our live show last week, we mm-hmm. were, I mean, just – Full sledgehammer oh, yeah. out, just pounding it. I mean, it was it was wild. It was I think wild. we're gonna see our our friend uh, King and the Bill smash that one. Yeah, uh, King one of the, the Bill best, is a great follow on there. Yeah, uh, best Twitter uh, gamblers on the in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, definitely smash that over. Next question: Who has the better depth depth chart going into the season between Georgia and Bama? That's from Eric D. Um, I think this is probably an easy one. Yeah, man, got to take Georgia here. It's a good question because of what Bama has been historically and how they've recruited, but there's just a lot of question marks with Bama. Like, who's playing quarterback? I don't know who's playing quarterback. I don't know who's going to be the alpha dog at wide receiver. I have a couple guesses. I think Malik Benson's going to be that dude for you on the outside, but still, I haven't seen him in a collegiate game yet. You can make the same case against Georgia and say, well, yeah, we haven't seen what Carson Beck is. That's fair. But you bring back four of the five on the offensive line. You bring back 70% of the production on defense. You bring back Brock, All-American, written all over him, Bowers. You feel good about Georgia. You feel good about what you know about Georgia, rather. So I'm taking Georgia and uh, excited to see what Bama becomes, though. Yeah, good point. I think Bama in 2024, J.D., will be Alabama. I'm still I'm worried about them this year, but uh, you know that, that number one recruiting class is going to return is it not you don't think no no i'm with you i think bama listen i I really i think bama is just sort of churning i think we're all exactly where nick saban wants us as unfortunate as it is to say i think nick saban's (laughs) hearing all this he's just taking all of it in and just taking the the rat poison that he likes to feed to his team Mm -hmm. the 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 
you know, oh, the bulletin board material. I think he's eating all of this up and just sort of sitting back there and saying, all right, we'll see. And just kind of just evil genius style. Nick. That's, that's where I think we're yeah. at right now. And that's, that's what goats do. That's what, that's what goats do, right? It feel, yeah, it feels like it, man. You know yeah. who, I mean, I won't make this comparison, but I was going to say another guy that we always seemed to count out for a while there was Tom Brady, and every single year oh, yeah. Tom Brady finds a way. So Nick Saban, Tom Brady, the GOAT conversation, that's the connection there, kind of a stretch when it comes to college football, but that's how I feel. I, I, think, no. I think Nick Saban's got us right where he wants us, Nick, I as a college so. football public. Oh, absolutely. Um, Husker fan man, 1989, who said, by the way, college football is a lifestyle uh, to the Husker fan man, said, mm. what group of five school do you see that could be a danger to knock off a ranked opponent this season? Mm. We'll have to take a close look at the schedule. But listen, Tulane, I keep saying listen, like people aren't already just listening. Uh, Tulane should have all of our attention. Pratt, their quarterback. Willie Fritz, their coach. They've got some continuity there. We all saw what they did against USC in that bowl game. I think Tulane is going to be back in that New Year's Six conversation yet again and would not be surprised if they knock off a ranked team on their way to doing that, or maybe even in that bowl game yet again. So I like Tulane a whole heck of a lot there, Nick. Okay. Um, this is another good one. Love it. Joe Bro. why do you think Maryland left uh, the ACC? Oh, man, why do we think Maryland left? Going back to that topic, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, I think the Greenbacks run the world. And the mm -hmm. Big Ten Conference, you go play for them, you go play into their media rights deal, whole lot of greenbacks. Mm -hmm. So I, I really do think it's, it's as simple as money is a, a very powerful motivator for a lot of these teams as they, you know, kind of find their way yeah. when it comes to the realignment game. I think as I asked that, I realized that was probably a rhetorical question. That he no, that's a, I mean, hey, it's a fair question. I mean, <laughs> but we, it is a fair So uh, Maybe we answered asking. it rhetorically for him. Yeah. Uh, JH22. JD, do you have time for a couple more? Let's do, yeah, let's do two more. Okay, two more. Uh, well, JH22 is a uh, very frequent listener slash viewer, so I'll ask, what is the most important factor for Texas to win the Big 12 this year? Is it, is it Quinn Ewers, mm. JD? It's a great question. It's Quinn Ewers. It's a two-sided coin. One is Quinn Ewers being who he is capable of being, right? I mean, he came in one of the highest-touted recruits of all time to Ohio State. Texas threw a parade when they ended up landing him for good reason. I say parade facetiously, but you hear what I'm saying. It was a social media parade. He needs to be as advertised in 2023 because there's been so much conversation around what he could be. This is the year where everything around him is in place. He's learned the system. He's far enough along as a college quarterback to where now it's like, all right, Let's make good on all of that excitement. That's the first side of the coin. The other side of the coin is Texas being far along enough in their culture to be the same team week in and week out. Because the roster, we've talked about it, Nick, the roster itself in Austin, Texas, really, really good. Is it perfect? No. Is it really good? Yes. Is it good enough to compete for a Big 12 title? Absolutely. Now, what could hold you back? The way you do things. Culture. Being stable. So stable culture, mature culture, Quinn Ewers being that guy that we all think he can be, those are the two pieces that Texas needs to achieve to be the team that we all think they can be. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's a great question, though. Before I ask the final question, um, Nugs, who's always here, um, is a Tennessee fan, a Brian Kelly hater. Um, that's all I really know. But keeps asking, J.D., and this is a good point, can we get us or can we get the people a USF segment before the season starts? You know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see. So, Nugs, here's my thing. I love USF. Gary Bohannon, a former teammate of mine, for about a cup of coffee when I was at Baylor. I need there to be 
some audience for us. Nugs, if you're watching, that's phenomenal. I want you watching that. But we operate off supply and demand. So my concern is that we would do a USF video and there would be no juice from, from y'all bringing it back here. So I'll say this. How about we mix them in, in the live segment? How about that? We'll, we'll mix them in. We'll make sure we get your USF talk and uh, we'll meet you halfway there, Nugs. How about that? I like it. It's a good, you're the people's person, JD. Appreciate uh, it, Nick. Last question. And there are great questions in here. If I didn't ask, um, I think there were about three or four that I won't be able to get to today. Um, but the last one, because we, we talked about Wisconsin earlier, this is a good one. Jake Westbury, thoughts on Tanner Mordecai this season? Mm, we know, great question. We know when we asked Coach Fickle himself, kind of, kind of, you know, had that look, really excited. Um, so that says it all, JD. Nick, you're right on the money, man. Right on the money. Appreciate you, man. Welcome back. Glad to have you here. We'll do it again Thursday. I'll be here Thursday, man. Beautiful. Again, Nick Brake making everything that you see here happen, reading the questions, doing production. Nick Brake holding this whole operation down. Man of the people. The, the producer of the people, if you will. Back to your question. Thoughts on Tanner Mordecai? Listen, Nick Brake hit it right on the money. We had Luke Fickle on this very show, and we asked him, what do you think about Tanner Mordecai? Expectations for him. He just kind of grinned, kind of had that look, and you just kind of got that feel that they don't want to put the cart in front of the horse. But they like Tanner Mordecai down there for good reason. I think he's one of the best-kept secrets, not just in the Big Ten, in college football, was the definition of productive down there at SMU, threw for over 70 touchdowns. I mean, he, he's got it. He's got the it factor. Was recruited by Lincoln Riley to Oklahoma, which if you can't play quarterback at Oklahoma, that's, I mean, just a testament to all the talent they had in that room. Said, listen, I want to play a little bit sooner than my senior year. Goes to SMU, lights it up. Now back in the Power Five at Wisconsin, he's going to be a dude for you. And the offense, I told you, they got Braylon Allen behind him. They're just going to hand the ball to him whenever they want to, whenever they feel like it, which is a great approach. But they're going to throw the ball around now a little bit. They're going to air it out. They went and got some dogs from the portal at wide receiver. Phil Longo, former OC at, at uh, North Carolina for Drake May, like Tanner Mordecai is going to be in good shape. So to answer your question directly, what do we think about Tanner Mordecai? We like him. We like him a lot. Appreciate y'all tuning in with us, man. This has been an absolute blast. We're picking up steam now, picking up steam as we get closer and closer to the season. Y'all have been killing it in the live show. Y'all have been killing it on YouTube Live. We're back on Thursday, same time, 10 a.m. Central. Hit the bell on this channel to be notified when we go live because that's what this is, the college football community. wants you a part of this. Also worth noting, y'all have been rabid when it comes to the podcast. Our podcast numbers are head and shoulders better than when we were even in season. So that's not a, a brag on us. That is a testament to y'all and what y'all have done taking this show and running with it. So we appreciate y'all. Love y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling, and we will see y'all next time.